Welcome to the Essential Shift Podcast. My name is Laetitia Andrac. If you are a mission-driven entrepreneur looking to grow your soul-aligned business by blending strategy, practical tips, and spiritual wisdom, you're in the right place. Enjoy these conversations about the art of mastering essential shifts in all areas of business and life. Open your heart and mind to all the possibilities that are waiting for you. Welcome to this new episode of the Essential Shift Podcast. How are you feeling? Where are you listening to this episode from? Just tag me on Insta, share on story where you listen to this episode from. Send me a DM sharing how you're feeling. I am feeling so inspired today. I feel the fire building up within me. I have so much energy. It is quite hot outside, so maybe the fire activates the fire. The fire of the sun activates the fire within me. But I have a lot of energy and I guess I'm very excited because I am delivering my Ayurveda in business course at the moment. The cohort of the women that said yes is so beautiful and I just love sharing my passion for Ayurveda and how they can apply it in their business. So I guess I have this fire within me. And today we are going to talk about a topic that I'm truly passionate about, which is leadership. And for that topic, I wanted to invite a special guest, Anne, who is a leadership coach, a facilitator and a speaker, because she works with individuals and organizations to empower courageous leaders. And during this conversation, we're going to speak about leading like you in your business, in your career. So throughout her 10-year career, uh, Anne got an award, a winning leader in the engineering industry. So coming from a very masculine industry, and she has learned firsthand what it takes to be a courageous leader. Anne has a mission, which is for everyone, that everyone has the power to drive change, to create a world where we can celebrate our perfect imperfection in diversity. So if you don't know about Anne, you're going to discover her beautiful energy and her beautiful breadth and depth of knowledge around leadership. Enjoy this episode and I can't wait to hear your feedback. Hello, Anne. So nice to welcome you on the Essential Shift podcast. Thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Mm, the reunion. So mm. Anne and I met a few years ago now and straight away we clicked from a lot of aspects that you will realize during this interview that we have in common, but also a lot of differences. So I hope you will enjoy this episode. We are coming here as authentic as can be. It's two friends having a chat and sharing with you about leadership in business and in corporates. So before we start, Anne, I love to always ask my guests, what is your background, your faith, your cultural background? Where did you grow up? All of that. What do you feel called to share with us? Yeah. So I'm originally from Germany. That's where I grew up. Um, pretty much lived there until I was 23 years. So um, and then I, for the first time, I came to Australia for the first time for just a six month study abroad semester. And that's kind of where a lot of 
my life has changed, I think, and a lot of my um, the way I think about myself has changed uh, immensely. And I think from there, a lot of things were kicked off in my life that then um, led me to moving to Australia eventually 10 years ago. Um, and yeah, now I live in Australia with my husband and my two boys. Um, I have two young kids. They're three and nine months now. Um, and yeah, I originally moved to Australia or I started my career. Oh, let's go back a little bit further. So I studied quite traditionally, oh, not traditionally, but I studied engineering because I was really good at math and physics and it kind of was the logical thing to do. I didn't even know what I wanted to do. I just thought, oh, well, if I enjoy math and physics, then I might as well enjoy the studies and had no idea really what engineers do. Um, but I just, yeah, I kind of was a bit guided by my parents and I trusted that that was a smart move. Um, and so I did a bachelor and a master in Germany and then uh, started to work for a corporation, a big, manuf big manufacturing business. And um, yes, got really lucky that I got into a very awesome graduate program that allowed me, it was like a leadership fast track program and allowed me to work in Berlin for six months and then in Canada and in the US. And then when the program finished after one and a half years, I got, I then my dream came true and I uh, got a job in Melbourne, in Australia. And so the company moved me and it was where, yeah, that was really a dream come true because since I had done my study abroad, I always wanted to come back to Australia and live here. And yeah, so that was 10 years ago that I then relocated, um, had a nice corporate career, um, very, uh, yeah, quite successful in my leadership development um, and then had my first son. And after that, even more things changed um, mm. and a few things came together that we might get into um, a little bit later as well. But yeah, I ended up taking a redundancy and then um, starting my own business as a leadership coach. Yes, I love that. And when you said my dream came true, it's because you were clear about your dream as well and you started putting things in motion for this to happen. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Like I think when you, when you, look back, I think if there's something that's just on the horizon and you really want, I know that a lot of people call it manifestation, right? And for me, I don't think back then I knew about that word. Um, but I think it's just if you want something, then you're open to it. You talk, you share it with people, um, you talk about it, you take steps, yeah, you do your research. And I, for me with Australia, for example, I um, I tried to apply for jobs, but it was really hard because I didn't have a visa. And then uh, my mom was like, you know what, um, just start working for a company. And, you know, they will at one point you might work for like a corporation that has an office in Australia. And then, yeah, my first employee employer had an office there and I kind of sussed it out from the start. And then, you know, just always kept telling people mm -hmm. that I want to come here, want to come here, want to come here. And then, um, yeah, I just um, was a bit courageous. I I told people um, that wanted me to offer jobs in Europe. And I said, no, I don't want it. Um, and took a bit of a risk, but pushed for it. And then, yeah, it happened. So it's not that it just magically happened. Um, yeah. It took a lot of um, courage as well uh, to, yeah, to speak up and say what I really wanted. But yeah, it was still mm. a dream come true for sure. Oh my gosh. I love that. Um, how you, and we're going to speak about the aspect that comes with knowing ourselves and how as a leader, it's important to know ourselves, which is exactly what you do in your executive leadership coaching. And it's so important the way you put it back. It's like, I was clear I wanted to go to Australia. So from there, I refused potential opportunities that were not aligned with it. So you were really kind of clear about your intention from the get-go. And 
I'm sure it's uh, some things that you help your client with being clear about their leadership. So speak to us about this concept of lead like you, which is really kind of how I identify your brand. You know, you have an authority around helping people defining their authentic leadership. So what does it mean to lead like you? Yeah, maybe let's go back a little bit to, Mm -hmm. to kind of share my experience and why it led me to do the work that I do now because mm. I um, studying engineering and then also working in a manufacturing in a global manufacturing uh, uh, company, it was obviously um, a very no male dominated environment. And I was often the only female in the room. Um, I had to work with the production and the people in the production, which also are dominantly male. And so I've always kind of been a little bit the minority in that sense. I'm still very privileged, obviously, very lucky with my background and where I come from. But in the work environment, still a minority and always felt like um, you have to be a little bit more careful of how you sell yourself, what you say, what you do. Um, you know, you get, you are visible really quickly, which is a blessing. Um, so people know your name really quickly, right? But at the same time, it comes with a burden as well, because every kind of everything you do, people know about it. Everything you say, people know about it, every mistake you make. So it comes with um, a lot of responsibility as well towards myself and how I presented myself. And I think there was a lot, like, especially in the manufacturing world, there's a lot of old school Um, you know, from the industrial revolution, kind of, you know, old school leadership about just like doing the work, getting it done, 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 the clock is ticking, right? And you just have to produce the outcome. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot about like, you clock in in the morning, you got clock out at night, and it's very authority driven leadership. So the people that get promoted, you know, they've maybe worked on the shop floor, they then get promoted. And it's a lot about just producing the outcome. It's not as much it's changed over the last few years of course but it's it's a lot focused on the output not so much on the human and the person in in that role and so i've seen a lot of bad leadership i've seen a lot of leadership that made me feel bad about myself that made other field people feel bad i've seen a lot of leaders being really stressed with the pressure that was on them um and then if they have never learned to handle or talk about their emotions and understand what's going on, you know, when we're not um, really strong in emotional intelligence, what happens then if we're in a stressful situation is that we might get really angry. We scream and we might start to put other people down and make them feel bad in an attempt to make us feel better and to kind of re- we regain control when we feel out of control. So mm-hmm. like yelling and screaming, right. is an attempt to somehow make everything feel better and con- get something, get con- some control back when we feel like we've lost control. And so I've seen a lot of leaders that would yell, like people yelled at me, um, people that would yell at others. And so there was a lot going on. And I, you know, I did find my way, but I also had a lot of moments where I was just um, yeah, feeling really down and stressed out because I didn't feel safe. And then when I navigated the leadership world and starting to work my way up, I felt like a lot of this was going against my values, but it was kind of what I was, what I had seen, what I was um, shown as an example. So I was kind of stuck in this in between of this is how I should be doing leadership because that's how they are doing it. That's what I've seen versus these are my values. This is, doesn't feel right. I want to make people feel good. I want them to be, you know, to feel confident, to do the best they can. I want Mm -hmm. people to feel safe, to make mistakes because we all make mistakes. So 
it was a bit of a, yeah, there was a bit of this, this little juggle for myself and, and this inner conflict. And so when I started to lead, I, I tried different ways. I tried to copy people, you know, and I even like, I for sure, not that I would have yelled, but I would have raised my voice or I would have, you know, created pressure, like artificial pressure to, 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 to force an outcome, to force people to be productive. And it just always felt really horrible when I then went mm. home, you know, I just felt like, um, I didn't feel good about it. I didn't feel like that was me. And so then I started to explore and I had, luckily I also had some good leaders um, and good examples around me. And I started to explore and thought there had to be another way. There has to be a way that I can lead in the way in with who I am, what comes easy to me, um, but also with my values and in alignment with my values. And whilst of course, working in a corporation that has values as a business, um, they might not always align with your personal values, but if you are uh, aware of it, you can find your way to work, um, still work, uh, even if a company doesn't completely share your values, you can still find a way to be okay with the work you do and mm. still bring your values to your work. So I, I, I just thought there had to be another way. I was introduced luckily to a strength assessment, the Clifton strength assessment that I use in my work now as well by a mentor of mine. And that changed everything because I suddenly started to see what I brought to the table and that certain things that I'd taken for granted were actually my strength and that there were things that made me unique in the way I show up and that that was the reason why I was promoted because people saw it and promoted me in roles and I just had to start to believe it. And then I started to just yeah live by it. I was more open to my, my weaknesses and things I wasn't good at and I wasn't scared anymore to be found out. I was like, yeah, I'm not good at that. That's fine. You can do that. You're really great at that. But this is what I'm here to do. This is what I can do for you. This is what I can do for my team. So it changed a lot about my whole confidence of how I showed up to work, but also my well-being in the end, because I felt more in alignment with who I was and things came more with ease. Um, and yeah, and so I then started to lead managers, you know, the more senior I became, I had managers that um, were reporting into me and I really enjoyed helping them feel more confident as leaders and figure out their own way. And so I think that's just without knowing at the time, I didn't know I was ever going to have my own business. That was never on my agenda. I never thought I was an entrepreneur. I never thought that that was for me really, but I kind of just had that in the back of my mind that I enjoyed that. I enjoyed coaching. I enjoyed helping others feel confident and figure out what they're good at. I, I enjoyed helping others be seen and appreciated for what they brought. And so I think then being away on maternity leave gave me a lot of time to just think about it. And I followed a few people who had shifted into their own business. And suddenly I saw that it was possible. And um, when then the whole story around the redundancy happened, um, yeah, it was somehow a chance. And I applied for other roles. And then a friend of mine at one point said, yeah, if they would call tomorrow to offer you that corporate role, would you want it? And then I was like, nah, I don't, I don't mm. think I do. And then she's like, there you go. And then boom. So that was like two weeks in my unemployment. And I decided I'm going to start my own business. And yeah, almost three years later, here I am. And that's what I help my people with, like my, my clients with, like helping them to lead like you. That's how it was born to really figure out their own unique way to leadership, whether it's in their own business, whether it's in the corporate world, figuring out what they stand for, what they want to be known for, but also what are their strengths and how can they use their strength to find their own unique way of doing leadership and creating relationships, communicating and um, yeah, having the impact that they want. So yeah, long story to get to that point, but um, I think it's important to understand that, you know, through my experience, I've realized what is missing often in the leadership world and 
what I think uh, makes this a much better experience if we can start to focus first, firstly focus on ourselves and understand who we are, but then also start to see others for who they are and celebrate them for that. Thank you, Anne. And it's always very important to go back to your own story and how you ended up doing the work that you're doing, because it's really kind of through your own journey that you learned and apply what you're now guiding others through. So thank you for taking this time to share with us vulnerably your story. I think it's very, very important. And when you're talking about Lead Like You, you started giving us kind of tools and approaches that you use to help you know, leader either incorporate or in their own business to lead like them. But can you help the listener be like, okay, I want to discover what does it mean to lead like me? Like, how do I do that? What are the practices or the steps that I can take? And then, of course, we can direct them through, you know, some of the assessments that you deliver and so on. But just kind of, I'm listening to this, I'm triggered, feeling like, oh my goodness, I need to lead more like me. You know, I'm just taking the example of one <laughs> someone who may listen to this and wonder how can I go deeper around this mm. so what I think steps? I think one of the first things and that's something that it's not necessarily easy to do but it's something that everyone can do by themselves um, is really to start to reflect on your values so mm. and I think that's nothing that we're not like in the corporate world we're not taught to look at our values as, as, as we grow into our leadership. That's just not something that is shared with us really, right? Like we, we are thrown into leadership. We maybe get a little two-day training if we're lucky um, and then that's it, right? Here you go, performance reviews. Are oh, here a difficult employee? Are oh, this person, that person? And you just get thrown into and you have to figure out your own way. Um, and that's how, you know, we then take on board leadership styles from other leaders that might not quite feel right for us. Um, and I think start to focus on your values and because that's kind of your guiding compass and it will also help you make the difficult decisions and it also helps you to figure out how you want to make the decisions and how you want to communicate that based on your values so that you feel okay with that because as leaders there are going to be difficult situations um, whether you have your business or you're in the corporate world you have to make tough decisions sometimes you have to give feedback sometimes It's just part of it. If we want to grow a business, there has to be a point or there's always a point where we have to make the tough decisions, even for ourselves sometimes. And so then being really clear on, okay, what are my values? What do I stand for? And is this in alignment with my values will help you to make decisions much easier because mm -hmm. you know, okay, I'm bringing you back to my values. So when you want to think about your values, there's a, you, if you just Google list of values, there's heaps of lists that you can uh, that you can find. Just because I feel like if you've never done it, it's like yeah, but what is a value? Like what is an example? Right? Like where do I even start? That's at least how I felt, you know, when mm. I looked at it first. So you can either go about that and you can look at, you know, find a list of values and then look at these and just start to think, okay, which of these do um, do I feel a bit drawn to? Which of these do stand for me? What's important? And, you know, then just narrow it down, like maybe pick 10 in the first, like print out the list, pick 10 in the first run, go through it again, and then narrow it down to like three to five, like just cull them as you go to really nail down what's the ones that really stand out for you. And when you have your list of core values, I think it's then really important to explore what does that mean now? Because if we just do it as an exercise, it's again, not going to get you anywhere. So what you then want to do is look at, okay, so if my Let's say one of my values is courage, right? So if my value is courage, how am I using that value for myself every day in my own self-leadership? 
So if I say that one of my, that I stand for courage, and that's a big thing about my business as well, like it's about courageous leadership, but if that's my value, how am I doing that? If I, that's what I stand for. So what are the courageous steps I'm taking every day? What are the things that I'm doing that are courageous, that are putting me out of my comfort zone a little bit, that are, um, you know, that are feel a bit scary, but I know they're good for my growth, that are decisions that will lead me and get me um, closer to my goal or to where I want to be. And then how can I be more courageous in my leadership and how can I communicate that? And how can I help my team members to be a bit more courageous? What can I do? What are the steps, the actions I can take to help them show a little bit more courage every day? So, and then if I made a difficult decision, can I tie it in with my value? Can I talk about it as a message? So they also see that I was led by my values. So I showed up to my values because you want to get known for your values because people know what you stand for. Mm. And when they know that what you stand for and that you really show up to that every day, that's how they will start to trust you. And that's completely key for leadership is trust at the essence. And so people need to know who are you? What do you stand for? And can I rely that that's what your guiding principle is? And you're not just going to, you know, swing your decision. You tell me one thing, but then someone else comes and you, you change your opinion, um, which is fine. We can change our opinions. I'm not saying we can't change our opinions, but then again, communicate. Why did you now make that change in opinions and not just go by, you know, who screams the loudest or um, always work towards your own advantage. Um, so I think that's really important. So that's something that everyone can do. It takes a bit of reflection, um, but really understanding what are my values. And then from there, though, what does that actually mean? So mm-hmm. how do I show my values every day? And then also how can I support that in my leadership? How can I support my team with these values? Love it. And it's, you know, kind of, as you said, a simple step and something you can find a lot of resources on, but it's such a beautiful exercise. And I remember the first time I did it was after my burnout um, in strategy consulting, I asked to be supported by a coach. And actually it's one of the first exercise that she made me do. And just finding this moment of reflection and knowing yourself for your own value, not the ones that you kind of inherited from your upbringing, from your community, from, you know, your teachers, your school, your university, and your first leaders and so on. It's like, it's such important. And I know you create this space for the leader or the people to just reflect on that. Something else that I love about um, the way you approach leadership is you mentioned, you know, the courage. And I know you're all about courageous leader and helping them to be courageous, to lead like them. What does it mean to be a courageous leader? Would you mind expanding on that for us? Yeah. So for me, it's it's there's different parts to it. But one part is obviously that you are not afraid to take courageous actions yourself, that you just know that, you know, Someone that just that I heard just speaking on an Instagram story said, said, said it really beautifully. And she said, you know, it's not, it's not about confidence. It's actually about courage because confidence, and that's something I always say as well, like confidence, we learn to be confident by taking courageous steps. No one is born confident because we learn our confidence by doing things and then being okay with it after. Like, yeah, I I got this. I did that. I actually didn't go too bad. Like I did quite well. That was a success. This was all right. But we learn that we do step-by-step. We take little steps out of our comfort zone and we're successful. That's what builds our confidence. The belief that we have the ability and skills to figure it out, that we can learn things, that we can figure things out that we've never done before. That's how we learn confidence. So 
courage means to take these actions when we're not quite sure of the outcome. That's also what Brandy Brown says, right? It's like courage is showing up when you can't control the outcome. Yeah. Showing up, putting yourself out there, being vulnerable and sharing maybe your stories, sharing what you stand for and taking the risk that there might be people who won't agree with you. And another thing that I think is really important for courageous leaders. So courageous leaders, you know, they walk the talk. They are here to drive change, but they are saying they're doing what they say they will, even if it's scary. So that's what takes a lot of courage to have that, you know, to have the ability to be like, okay, yeah, that's what we, where we're going. That's where I stand for. And this is what I'm the way I'm, I'm taking. And then at the other end is also when you then lead your people and are um, together with people, whether it's your team or other people in the business or in your business or colleagues, you know, it's also about having those courageous conversations that feel quite difficult, but need to be had. Like there's conversations where we know this is going to be awkward. This is going to be tough. This is going to be very tricky. And I might hurt the other person, not intentionally, but it's just part of the outcome. But courageous leaders, they don't shy away from having these conversations because they've learned that they have some tools, techniques of how to make the conversation a good conversation. Hopefully how to make that conversation when we give feedback, for example, very constructive and positive, leading with positive intent, looking at the strengths of the person. So creating something positive, but still having conversations that sometimes also might you know, go down a little bit tricky. And, but that's okay, right? Like there's, it's, it's about having the courage to say what you need to say, giving feedback, standing for up for what you believe in, calling out behavior that's not in alignment with the values and what you stand for, and also providing feedback, even if it feels a bit difficult, because somehow we've learned that feedback is something to be scared of, because we all learn that we always need to be perfect. We all learn that we have to control all our, on, on and fix all of our weaknesses and we need to be perfect unicorns, which is just absolutely not true. And so if we start to learn that we all have strengths, we all have weaknesses, that's fine. We got to lead from our strengths. And if there are things that we can improve, great. If there are things that we need feedback on, that's fine. It doesn't take away from who I am as a person. But yeah, so taking courageous action, really standing for what you say, like if that's your values and if you're sharing your values, then show me that you're doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, even if other people disagree with you, And having those conversations that are important, we got to give feedback. We owe it to our team members to give them feedback so that they can be at their best. I love it. Thank you, Anne, for sharing that. And a question that's burning my lips and knowing that in the listener of this podcast, we have people who are leading teams in their own business. We have people who are leading teams in corporate. I wanted to ask you this question. What is the main difference between leading teams when it's your own business and leading teams when you're incorporated? Because I know, same as me, you have people that you lead in your business now. And how do you find it different from corporates if you find any difference? Or maybe it's completely similar, but what are the main difference? Um, it's, it's definitely different because your business is very personal. Mm. Yes. Right? So... <laughs> Every decision is much harder to make. Every decision feels scarier. Every decision um, is just a bit bigger. So also, um, and then it's just a bit more complex because for you, it's personal. So I think a big thing there is your emotional intelligence and your ability to self-regulate is um, 
even more difficult, like in corporate, like when I compare it with myself, right. In corporate, like I would get nervous, I would get stressed, I would get anxious. And then I would have to somehow figure out a way to calm down, find a neutral center to then talk to my people and, you know, um, hold space for them, be there for them. And also, um, uh, yeah, get the outcome that I want without me being uh, flustered and and irritating them in the same point. But in my business, I find it much harder. Like if something went wrong or if I can see something that's not so great, it's much harder for me to um, to calm down and then think about how I do I provide feedback um, because it's just, yeah, it just feels more personal for me. There's more at stake. Um, mm. And everything that we put out there, everything that our team or the people that help us in our business um, do for us, I mean, it's us and our brand often, Un unless you start a bigger company, right, where then becomes the company is the brand and you're, you're stepping a little bit away from being the face of the company. But as long as you're the face of the company, everything everyone produces, you stand, that's something that you stand for. And so I think everything that's put out there is, it's much more, it's, it's a bigger deal for you personally. So I think then giving feedback and, and sharing what you're standing for, sharing what excites you, your values and what you want to create with others is even more important so that they buy in. But especially like small businesses, like I, for example, I don't have anyone on my payroll. I have people that work um, with me that have their own business and they're contractors to my business. So also they're not working for my business. They're working for their own business. And so whilst I need to try and help them to understand what they're working for with my business and help them become part of this culture, they have their own business. So it's, it's much harder to get sometimes people on board and get their buy-in and, and then also giving feedback because they're professionals in their competencies. And so if you then provide feedback, it's, it, it's just sometimes feels a little bit harder, I have to say. So it just, but coming back, bringing it back down, I think, it's what what is really important is preparation, being open, communication, um, sharing why something is important to you, why the outcome is important to you, really bringing it down to the matter of things and not anything personal. And really just this is the output and this is why it's important for my company. And then let how can we try this? How can we do that? Like, I think it's just about preparation and being really clear of what you want. And then feedback is also um, not as difficult and scary anymore. But I do think like having your own business as a leader, it's just more complex because mm -hmm. the business is, is you. You can't just shut off as easily. Yes. And that's where I find, you know, for the both of us and for other um, clients of mine who have been in leadership position in corporate, leading in business tend to be a bit easier. Whereas if you've always been an individual contributor in the corporate world, and then you step into your own business, it's a bit harder. The learning curve is a bit steeper. Whereas for us, it's like, okay, so I was working for this company. Those were the value. Those were my values. This is how I led my team. This was the culture of the company, how I infuse it in my team, like all of that. And then we transfer that to our own business with, as you said, an attachment, an emotional attachment that may be a bit, you know, stronger. And of course, you know, everything we do in our business is truly infused with our own personality because we are the brand of the company. So I totally agree with all of that. But I would definitely say like for anyone listening to this and feeling out of depth as a leader in their own business, it's really essential to look at uh, as You've shared, you know, their values, but also I know you use a strength 
the Clifton Strengths, which I did when I was in corporate. So would you like to share a bit more about this? Because I think it's interesting for anyone listening, wherever you are in your leadership journey, to know your strengths and work with your strengths and make friends with your weaknesses and ask for help when it's, uh, you know, your weaknesses and not your zone of genius, which is really something I do in my business. I know what are my strengths, what are my weaknesses, and that's where I look to be supported in my business. Mm -hmm. So would you mind sharing a bit about this? Because I think it would be very interesting for our listener. Yeah, absolutely. So the Clifton Strengths Assessment um, is a really, really powerful tool. I think mm. I actually like, um, you know, one part of my mission is that everyone in the world should do the Clifton Strengths Assessment because I just think it has a lot of powerful um, messages for you as an individual. Um, and that also like to just go a little bit back further in my story is, is just thinking about how we all grow up. And I think I mentioned it a little bit before about this, our societies build that we are constantly measured against a certain standard of what good looks like, what success looks like. Mm. Um, and there are certain characteristics that are connected to successful people, for example, or even to leadership, right? And there's, you know, there's people that say, oh, if you're too emotional, if you're too empathetic, you can't be a leader. Um, if you want to be a leader, you have to be, um, you, you have to be an, an extrovert. And all these kind of things that are thrown out there. And we grow up in a society where we are constantly measured against our success and we're constantly told where we're not good at and that we need to fix that. So it starts in school and, um, you know, when you come home and you didn't do so well in math, your parents would spend more time with you trying to fix your math problem with regards to sending you to tutoring, watching your homework, telling you you got to do two hours of math every day to somehow fix fix your weakness in that in that subject. Other than rather than helping you spend more time in the things that you naturally do well. Um, so that's one thing. And it continues in our corporate career. It continues in our life um, where, you know, we're always told when it's a, when we talk about development, professional development, it's always about, okay, here's something you got to fix. Here's the next thing you got to fix. Or you got to really got to fix that if you want to move up the ladder. So it's really easy to pinpoint things that we're not good at, but we never learn to say what we're good at. So we all, most of us build an identity around what we're not rather than an identity around who we are, what we are, mm. what we're good for. And then the other problem that I see often is that there are certain things that are actually strengths and talents of people that are not measured by society as something success, like the softer skills, the relationship skills, and empathy is a beautiful strength. So there's, um, you know, there's, there's harmony as a strength, you know, that those are people that can bring people together and solve conflicts really well and make everyone feel heard. Um, there's people that are really good at connecting on a deeper level. You know, there's, there's some beautiful strengths that we're not necessarily traditionally measured in. And so people that are really strong in those strengths, they never learn that they have something to be proud of. They grow up thinking they're just average. Mm. I'll just never be that successful, whatever success means, right? Whether it's a career or like in sports, like I'll never be successful. I'll just be average. But the thing is, we all have some unique talents that are absolutely amazing and make us unique, make us just wonderful contributors in whatever we decide to do in our life. We all have something that is beautiful and worth celebrating. We all have mm -hmm. something that's unique that makes us powerful. That's our superpower. And that's where Clifton Strength is an amazing assessment. And it's really quite affordable too, you know, like for everyone that that wants to do that. Um, it's like $82 and you can, uh, you get a really 
big report with lots of details around your strength. And it's just really powerful because it highlights your natural talents and it also shows you how you can use them more intentionally. Because what the whole theory of Gallup, that's the company that has designed that assessment is, they've done lots of research in, in around what makes people successful and what makes people um, happier in life and what makes people feel confident. And it's all about if we can do things that we naturally do well, we things will come feel easier. We will do much better quality outputs. We will be much quicker and we will feel less stressed because if we're forced to do something that we're just not good at and we have to do that all day, every day, we will feel horrible about going to work. We feel be really stressed all day. We might feel anxious. We might, you know, go in towards burnout things. You know, it's just going to feel really tough and hard. But if we get to do things that align with our strengths, with what motivates us, with how we do things naturally, how we build relationships, how we organize our tasks, how we plan our tasks. If we allow to use our strength in that, and if we design our life, our jobs, our role, our business to align with these strengths, we become much happier in life, but also way more successful because the things come with ease. And mm. so that's where it can be so powerful to do your strength assessment. And for me, it helped me so much with my confidence as a leader, because as a leader, it also helps you to then think about how can I lead? There's, you know, there's typical competencies that every leader needs to have. It's about how can you create accountability, for example, how can you inspire others? How can you uh, develop others? How can you communicate effectively, right? These are things that are required by any leader, whether it's in your business or in the corporate world. But the key is we all do this differently. We can all keep people accountable. We can all do that. But the way we go about it might be different based on our strength. Mm. So the way we lead, the way we show up, the way we communicate might be different depending on our strengths. And so that's why when you start your business, and when, you know, I also know a lot of people who've never worked in the corporate world, as you've said, they start their own business, their business works well, they get so successful and the business grows. Suddenly they're managing and leading people and they're like, oh my God, like now I have to give feedback. That feels really scary. Or, you know, how do I inspire them, you know, to become part of this big picture? How can I influence them? And it's really just about like knowing your strengths can really help you to then understand how can I do all these different things that a leader needs to do? How can I use my strengths to apply these competencies? But it can also help you to design your day and your business, as you've said, to, to look at what tasks align with my strengths. What are the components in my business that I know will energize me every day? Because managing, having our own business is hard work. Because we have to constantly motivate ourselves. And, you know, things are difficult. And as I said, everything feels personal because it's your thing, your business. So it's really important to know what motivates you. How can you design your days and start your days and design your tasks that align with your strengths so that you feel like I'm doing what I love every day? Mm. And then start to outsource the things that just feel a bit harder. Or there will always be things, of course, that are not as easy. Like we can't outsource everything. There's stuff that we have to do that feels a bit, ooh. And then we can design the process around it, though, to align with our strengths. I always say for me, as an example, I'm not really motivated by having to do the same task again and again and again for hours and hours and hours. I love new things, new ideas, new challenges. Um, you know, I love figuring something out once, but then I'm like, been there, done that. Let's go to the next challenge. And so there are things in my business, like my bookkeeping, um, whilst I do have an accountant, um, a wonderful accountant that lodges um, my statements every quarter, I still do the little bookkeeping myself because, um, yeah, that's just one thing I haven't outsourced, but I really don't like it. I find it really, really, really boring and it really drains my energy. It totally drains my energy. And when I know I have to do it, 
first of all, my self-talk has changed because I just like, okay, you know, you don't like it. You know, it will drain your energy and you know, you are going to procrastinate. You just know that it's fine. And whereas before understanding that I would have been like, why are you procrastinating again? You're so lazy. You can't get anything done. Um, you know, you're so shit at what you do. Why can't you just focus? Everyone else can do it, not you. And not just with bookkeeping, that's with certain other things, right? So when I procrastinate, I know it's because I'm about to do something that might not align 100% with my strength. So now my self-talk has changed much more positive, right? I know this is hard, but you can do it. And I design it in a way now that it's not hours and hours, that it's like, okay, just do it for you know, 45 minutes, then you get a break to do something fun and exciting, um, but that, that whatever you feel like. Yeah? And then we go back to it again. So I might break it up over several days or during the day I might break it up so that I know, okay, it's, it's fine. I can do it. It's just 45 minutes. So I design certain tasks that feel difficult to somehow fit into my strengths and what motivates me a bit better. Mm. Thank you, Anne, for sharing that. And I really see the Gallup strength as another tool to discover more about you, about your own blueprint. You know, I love to use natal chart, Ayurvedic dosha, human design, the angel. All of that are part of you and your own design. And then it's about knowing yourself. And the Gallup strengths, I remember when I did it, so seven years ago when I burned out, it was really kind of empathy came up. And for me, it was always something my boss will tell me, you're too yeah. emotional, not enough in the rational and in the political And when I discovered that it was actually one of my strengths, the empathy, I was like, oh my goodness. So mm -hmm. I can come back with that. So it can also mm -hmm. help you kind of deal with difficult conversation with your boss or if you work with your team, kind of explaining that you're very empathetic as a person or you're very innovative. So it's really hard for you to do the same task over and over. You know, it's mm -hmm. like those are strengths. Yeah. The questions that I had for you, and I think it would be the last one before we close the interview, but it's do our strengths change? Like if I do it again, will I have a different results or not? So the research and what Gallup says is that your strengths don't change. So your okay. natural talents are pretty much innate to you. And um, it's something that you're pretty much born with. So it aligns really well with oh, your natal chart like reading. Ayurveda, which we call and it, the yeah, exactly. Which is your human design. Like I think it's, oh it's in that sense, it's quite similar. Yeah. What they say is that. So the difference though is that certain things, the sequence might change um, because depending how much you know about it, you might start to learn. So we ha all have these talents, but if we never know that that's a talent, we might suppress it, right? So if we're told constantly that your empathy, your emotions are weakness, you might su suppress that sensitive side of yourself. And so you might not develop it into a strength. So it might not come out as strongly mm. where you don't own it as a strength. If you were to do the assessment now, it would probably be even stronger on empathy because you've really embraced that now. Yeah. So what they say is that normally maybe the sequence changes a little bit, but your essence of your strengths doesn't change. The problem with doing the assessment again is if you were to do it again now, you would approach it with a bias because you know what it's all about. You know your results. You've done it before. So you will answer the questions differently. So we always advise not to do it again. Some people are curious. I did it twice because I was curious to see what changed and it has barely changed. Um, because as a, just as a professional now working with strength, I um, wanted to see what it does. Um, so it hasn't really changed. 
um, just a little bit, some sequences, but not really my top five is pretty much the same. Um, but yeah, so ideally you don't do it. It's an eight. Um, it's an eight to you. And also to be honest, like I've done my human design reading. Um, I think I did it a year ago. Oh, maybe not two years ago. Time has, you know, the last two years have been one yeah. big blurb. And um, it's very similar from the results. So for me, it was, I read my human design report and I was like, yeah, I know that because I've done my strength. Like it's, it's very similar. Mm. What I can say is to your audience is if they, what I feel and why I love the Clifton strengths, it's very practical and strategic in how you can apply it. And it does not just focus on business or on corporate life. It also focuses on your well-being in your normal, in your personal life. So if you are someone that loves these things, and I can invite you to do that assessment as well, because what it does, it gives you very practical suggestions of how you can implement it in your life. And I found that an advantage for myself because I like the practical side of things um, and strategic side of things um, of how I can actually implement it in my life pretty much from day one. Um, but it was very similar to my human design reading. So people won't probably won't be surprised. Or, you know, when I did your, I think I did your quiz. On your, yeah. 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 The Dosha quiz. And, um, you know, when I read the results, I was like, yeah, yeah, that's me. <laughs> and I knew that though, like, cause it's very similar. So I think that just shows though, that no matter what, what you want to what you want to call it what you want to do there's amazing things out there that help us understand who we are mm. who we are always meant to be and the power that we have in ourselves if we just give ourselves permission to be who we are like wow. you gave yourself permission to step into your empathy using that giving yourself permission to be who you are and using your strength in your life as a business owner as a leader as a wife as a mom as a dad as a partner as whoever you are, give yourself permission to be who you are. And that's the whole lead like you, right? It's all about stepping into who you are um, because you are powerful. Mm. So yeah, before we go, I would love for you to share with us how we can find you and what offering you have at the moment available for anyone who's listening to this being like, oh my goodness, I want to know more about Anne. She's a legend. You can trust her. I vouch for her. So tell us. <laughs> Um, yeah, so you can find me. Um, I'm quite active on LinkedIn and Instagram. So um, on LinkedIn, you can find me as Anne Koopman Schmidt. On Instagram, it's Anne Koopman underscore lead like you. And then my homepage is annkoopman.com. And you can find everything there. And um, right now, I'm actually um, launching a new group program. That's pretty much is my... Uh, at the moment, life project. Um, so it's the Lead Like You program. It's a 12-week program for emerging leaders, whether you are in the corporate world or you're a business owner. And it's really kind of puts at the forefront everything that I stand for and that I think is so important about becoming a confident, a courageous, and authentic leader. And it goes for 12 weeks. We start on the 8th of March. And um, you can find more about that program under anchorman.com slash lead like you. And uh, yeah, if you're interested, if you have any questions, just message me. Um, but yeah, it's it's I'm really excited for this because it's something I've worked towards to for two and a half years now. So mm. yeah. Oh my gosh, I put all the, the link in the show notes. And as you're listening to this episode, don't hesitate to just DM Anne or myself if you have any question, we would love to connect. What a beautiful episode and a powerful conversation with Anne around leadership. 
I hope this inspired you to lead like you, to be courageous, to stepping into your authentic leadership. If you want to explore this more, I invite you to follow Anne on Instagram, check her website, all the link will be in the bio. I have also written a blog article for you on my own tips to step into your authentic leadership, so go ahead and check it out. And if this episode has helped you, please leave a review, share it with a friend who could benefit from listening to it and share on story as well on Instagram tagging me at essential.shift. It's been such a pleasure to be with you today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And until next time, blessed be.